everybody and welcome to another episode of Out of Character with Jupiter and my partner in crime is always Cotton. Hello Cotton. Hello, good evening everybody. How are you doing tonight, Cotton? I'm doing pretty good. They're pretty good. I've uh yeah, we've had our we've had our good pre-talk banter and I feel like I'm in decent form. I've got some <laughs> bullet rye here. To help out the old the drink podcast. Of, the drink of tonight. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. I just want you to be on your best behavior. We have guests tonight. Indeed, we have guests. Yes, we have uh, <laughs> the esteemed, the you know, the inimitable know. Uh, Luke. Luke and John from a new actual, well, an actual play stream called Cayman's Rejects. I think in our last episode, our Gen Con wrap up, I did include links to the stream. We did mention that we were going to have them on, but welcome, Luke and John. Hi, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you for. I can't believe we got them, Cotton. We got them. Yeah, we just, we just had to, we we wind and tied him at Gen Con, or at least one of them. You know, oh my the, the GM, right? you know, the guy who matters. We got him. We want him over. Just to try to get him on our side. Yep. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, the moment that we lady entrapped that uh, <laughs> that, stick, that that was the kicker. Like I was in. Yeah, like it's kind of Madman. You have to get the account. You have to get the account. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yes. Yeah, so. Cayman's Rejects. Let's hear your elevator pitch. Well, Cayman's Rejects, first of all, didn't take us long to figure out that name because the entirety of the group is... We are not what would be referred to as normal people by any means. Um, So we knew it was going to be Rejects, Outcasts, or something of the like, but we have been playing TTRPGs together for a couple years and decided that we wanted to go ahead and stream and... We knew that we didn't want to immediately stream Dungeons and Dragons, so we started workshopping and decided on Starfinder because space is cool and Dungeons and Dragons version of like TTRPG space was not out for fifth edition. And I didn't want to force all my players to learn how to play second edition DD because it's a, it's much more complicated. But for the most part, our stream is tomfoolery mixed with some seriousness. And it's all in space with some really fun people, and we have a lot of laughs, and it's enjoyable for us to record. So I'm hoping it's enjoyable for people to listen to or watch. Okay, and John, you're the the stream manager. Yeah, I manage all the all the overlays and things like that. It comes to streaming and such. Uh, I collaborate a lot with Luke. Luke provides all the graphics and such, but I end up uh, arranging everything in it in a manner that just makes it appeasing for the eye, so the viewers just can not only enjoy listening but enjoy looking as well as we play the VTT version of Starfinder, right, virtual tabletop, uh, directly on screen. So, hmm. that was something when I talked about Cayman's Rejects with Luke during Gen Con that I was I was impressed by. It wasn't just a group of people that decided to get together and play a game, but all of these people that decided to play together also had these other real-world skills that just lend themselves so beautifully to the promotion of this stream. Yeah, that's definitely one of the unique things about our group. You know, everybody kind of pitches in, right? You know, a lot of people, when I tell them, you know, that we have a team of nine, you know, eight players, one DM, everybody's, they're just in shock, right? They're just like, I can't believe that. So many people, how do you do it? It kind of works out, you know, especially the way just Luke orchestrates everything, you know, with his DM skills and everything. But because we have a large group, that it does allow us to have some additional side hobbies and skills that kind of just ended up lending, you know, a pitch into how we do our production. So. Yeah, and I, I still count myself lucky every day for the players that I have and the skills that they have because 
like I know my way around Photoshop, so I do all of the logos and all the graphics and all that stuff, but I would be lost. I'm not a streamer by any means. I can't I I suck at social media. So I have people that take care of that for me. People like Jenna, one of our players, edits our videos for YouTube and she does a great job doing that. Actually I think she said that she can recognize the wavelength of my voice for my filler words like um and like without even listening to it now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So if you were to say something like edit button, she she would like it would be easy to identify even though it wasn't actually being heard. Right. I'm just wanna Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's true. And you can say edit button you know, all you want. Our sound editor will not edit you unless I ask him to edit you. Okay. <laughs> you know what? At the next annual uh, shareholders meeting, you can bring it up as new business, and we'll take a vote, and we'll see what Dude, happens. I feel like I have a very I'm like, I'm like that guy who like signed the thing with like Facebook or whatever, where it was like, yeah, I just blew all my shares and don't I, I went outside. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they'll need a ninth player, Cotton. You can jump over there, and they'll edit you. There we go. They'll they'll <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll edit out every single goddamn thing. And I'll just be like red shirt guy. Sixteen hours of lost audio. I just want them to kill you every episode. I think Cotton had said that to Oz that it's like if he only has five minutes of good like talking in the podcast, then he just has to record like what like six hours of recording, and then you guys are good for a while, right? It's like a five to one ratio. If I can say like if twenty percent of everything I say is worthwhile, and I talk five times as much as I need to. You have 100% quality. Yeah. It's math. <laughs> that's, that's my podcasting advice. I don't know if it's helpful. And, <laughs> and it just may murder you. I have, to, I have to ask, did you go out and like, was, it, was that a part of your player recruitment? The, this person has these skills and I want to bring them in. Was it pure personality based? Did you go on LFG Reddit and just kind of like roll the dice and get lucky? Did you filter 50 people through and just, you know, and just fired everyone you couldn't stand? What was the, what was the player recruitment process? So the player recruitment process was, it was us all a bunch of friends who kind of ended up playing a Dungeons and Dragons game off stream, just as friends. Some of us were new to it and I ended up DMing. We were running through, they wanted to run through Strahd. So, and I think I told you about this, Cotton, uh, our Strahd game, but there was a bunch of people who wanted to play. So we all hopped in. Um, there was a few players who like came and went, and then a few players who came in at the very end, such as Jenna and uh, the uh, Kevin, the guy who plays Bowser, the big bear character in our Starfinder game. They came in, I think, in the, like the last four or five sessions, and like after we were done with Strahd, I think we spent a few weeks kind of workshopping what we wanted to do after that, and came up with the idea of streaming and found out what game we wanted to play and made characters. But uh, yeah, there was no like uh, recruitment process whatsoever. It's just a bunch of people who have been friends for a varying number of years just deciding to jump in and start streaming together. You just happen to have the skills needed for it. Very cool. But that wasn't the only luck you guys had. I've tuned into the stream. Uh, the most recent one that I've I've been able to catch was a recent like a Q&A session where you were giving away a set of dice. And during the, you, the, during the entire stream, I, I heard all about your sponsors. So you guys already have three, four sponsors right now? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say consider them sponsors. You know, we we call them community champions. Kind of the route that we went about it was, you know, most most TTRPGs that are streamed, right? It's it's so difficult to kind of like get to know those those players and the DM, right? Because they're so immersed in their game. So going into their stream, it's like you can chat, you might get a response, but you're not going to get much out of them, right? So what I had done was I wanted to see what are other TTRPGs doing, what are their what are their, their streams look like, you know. What about the other community, right? You got miniature painters, you know, miniatures and TTRPGs go hand in hand. So I went and delved into a different community with the miniature community and ended up meeting just a great group of people. Like that whole community was just amazing. Just and and they have the opportunity to kind of get to know what you're doing, what you're about, like what it is it that interests you, what are you working on? That's like their first question as soon as you jump in. So that gave me the opportunity to talk to them, say, hey, you know, I don't paint, but I appreciate art. I really love the miniatures that you're painting. This is what we do. And because of that communication, you know, the, the name is just we were just openly accepted into that community. And of course, because it goes hands in hands with the TTRPGs, it's just word of mouth. We just started spreading around. So because of that communication that networking that we've developed, we were able to, you know, find these community champions, just channels that we felt we were drawn to and that we just really clicked really well with, you know, and they just showed open support for us. So because they showed so much support for us in return, we also show support for them. So it's just, you know, a, a back and forth networking that, that we've done. And we've just been able to grow some really good friendships. Uh, matter of fact, one of the community champions, Free Range Minis, he's now a guest appearance on our stream. The other one is uh, Lethal Shadows Gaming, who we received the dice from. I'm going actually going to PAX Wex, and I'm going to be with them at their booth, helping them out at their booth, and as well as promoting KMU's Rejects over there. So it's just a whole wide conglomerate of just network that just kind of came to be to, to get those uh, get those names, those affiliates. No, that that is that is great that that you did that, Luke. You're very lucky to have John. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm, uh, I know it doesn't uh, outwardly appear so when you meet me in person, but I'm super <laughs> socially awkward. I didn't mean that. I meant the fact that he he takes those <laughs> that initiative, and he 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 went out and and build these relationships with people that that they ended up deciding in his words being champions community champions so the number of times that i wake up in the morning and we have like 10 new followers i have to be like messaging john and be like how late did you stay up one night and <laughs> like he's he john has told me that he like lurked in streams and was talking to people till like six in the morning and i'm i could not handle that i'm 24 and i stay up late but i cannot do an all-nighter like <laughs> talking to streamers it's fun it's it's so great i think it's just this like twitch is kind of still new for me too right but i think it's just a great platform to kind of meet people and just you know different hobbies and interests and things and there's so many cool things that you can come across right so you know it's just really cool to meet people from all over you know and talking to people from new zealand and everywhere you know i i communicate with a lot of people just you know in real life work that i do so it's it's easy for me to to kind of socialize with people so Twitch just makes it uh, it's just an easier platform to kind of get that reach. Okay, so like the first step is to uh, be sure that you have somebody at your table or, or part of your stream who's an extrovert, right? Like who can go out there, <laughs> you need pound the pavement, <laughs> you need get the streams, you know. Well, I, I'm a firm believer in being accessible to your audience. I, I think I, I, without a net server, we're always talking to everybody. I mean, I, I want to talk to the people that listen to us and I want to hear about what's going on in their lives and I want to hear about their games. And if they take the time to listen to the the ridiculous stuff we put out, 
I should have the time to listen to them about the wonderful things they do. So firm believer in getting out there and, and being accessible to your fan base. So I think that's great that you take that extra step to, to do that. So I, I know we've talked about the logo came as rejects. Yes. It, do you want to, do you want to talk about the, the logo or do you want to not talk about the logo? Because I can have this part edited out. I mean, that's kind of like asking someone about their tattoo. Like, it's sure just not supposed <laughs> to do that. It's, you know. so, so, are you talking about like the 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 abbreviated logo with the, the abbreviated CR? logo? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we came up with the name Cayman's Rejects, and we knew we were going to have to make logos for it. It did not dawn on me or anyone else until I made the abbreviated logo that it was CR, which was identical to Critical Role. However, at the point that I had spent sixteen, seventeen hours making logos. I just didn't give a fuck. So <laughs> that's how you achieve goals. We, yeah. just... <laughs> we we don't market ourselves as critical role in the slightest, and we never will because mm-hmm. I mean I don't know who's gonna be the next critical role, but I at this point in time I we are not at all. So <laughs> we are CR Cayman's rejects, not affiliated and no relation whatsoever to the magnificent players and DM of Critical Role. A happy accident. It's just a mere coincidence. It was not intentional in any way. It was just, by the time you were done and looked at it, you just kind of went, oh, shit. We'll just say you'll know you made it when you get a season desist. This is the same thing. They noticed me, senpai. (laughs) My dreams would have come true. I'm going to meet Critical Role even if it is in court. I'm just waiting for the day that you, you're like the upstart, like the scrappy guy who like wants to box like Mike Tyson out of nowhere, like like Matt Mercer's being interviewed. You're like, listen here, fucking, who gave him Mike? Don't worry about that. I'm calling you out, son. Podcast fight, you know. Podcast <laughs> fight. Do you? I do have to wonder. Like, did you choose Pathfinder? Not Path. Oh shit, Starfinder. There we go, Starfinder. Did you choose Starfinder because it wasn't D and D? Is that why? Because you had a D and D game. And do you feel like the space is crowded? So you wanted to so, kind of like go into a different space? I think that's, yeah, that was that was a good pun. But um, I think that it was part of the discussion where uh, me and John uh, were talking with some of the other people in the stream. And like, we all really enjoy D&D, but like, you can only play this, like the same fantasy tropes at a certain number of times before it gets boring. And we knew that if we were going to be streaming, there is no like there there is no top to the number of D and D streams. However, Starfinder streams are few and far between, um, which is strange because it's so much it's so much of a better game than Pathfinder is. And I've made that clear many times. I think in the last Gen Con wrap up, I mentioned that too. Is like Starfinder is the Pathfinder. But fixed. They they fixed a lot of the issues. They re- like removed a lot of the bad things, added in better things. And I mean, we have a blast with it. And space. I mean, space opera in general is my probably one of my favorite genres, which is probably my father's fault. I mean, he named me after George Lucas, so uh, I think I had to hold on to that a little bit. And so that's what we decided we were going to stream first. I think we are planning some one shots. I know I have a few one-shots planned for what we're going to do next. Uh, I think starting with Deadlands, and then we want to work our way through, like, Vampire, Shadowrun, 
uh, maybe some Call of Cthulhu, which I got inspiration from being in Jupiter's house and seeing her shrines. All right, all right, I get it. I have a certain aesthetic in my home. And it's mostly tentacles. <laughs> One day I'll go through and count all of them, and then I'll make it a game for guests. Can you guess how many tentacles are in the house? And oh, yeah, you yeah. Do, you can win a prize. It yeah, the prize is being sacrificed to your lord and savior, Cthulhu. <laughs> uh, so you guys are, are you have the main storyline of Starfinder. You guys going to keep up with that and then just do one shots intermittently? Or are you going to, will the Starfinder tale have an end and then you'll move on and progress to other systems? So our plan currently is... Um, to do a one shot probably around every 12 to 15 episodes mm -hmm. just just to kind of give ourselves a palate cleanser as well as the audience and then so that that one shot might last one two or three sessions uh depending on how it goes but then we'll go back to starfinder and the starfinder campaign will have an end before we move on to a new campaign that's good because I, I I get a little not annoyed. I don't know what it is. Like I, it just is a a mark against you as a stream. If you know it's episode two hundred and twenty two, same characters in the same system. It's like that story ended a while ago. Yeah, for sure. Right. Right. It's so got to have an end. You know. So I think that's as much as I would love to. I mean, I I love my character, but yeah, no, it, yeah. it totally agreed. I mean, there's only so many times things that you can do right so now you're just meeting a handler and just getting new missions over and over and just playing the same yeah. things it gets kind of repetitive a little episodic and it's just like you got to because your character i presume is made i mean you know characters can grow you can have long you know, there are series that have long episode counts you know mm -hmm. the stories and like animes and whatnot but <laughs> it's hard to keep them going and have continual growth like you have an idea for a character and you're doing really well if you have an idea of like where you kind of want that character to go or at least the, the types of challenges you want them to face that will be important in their development after three or four of them i mean like it doesn't hurt to mix it up right is that kind of what you're, what you're yeah at? so there's another system uh called monster of the week which is like buffy the vampire supernatural those kind of like episodic right. you have like a chosen one and then like this group of people and it's just uh what monster are we fighting today and i don't want to get stuck in that trope of like just the because at some point in any ttrpg that you're playing your players get more they outgrow the system that they're in right they get too powerful for any anything to be a threat and then, like, in past D&D games that I've DM'd or been a part of, you end up having them get bored and they want to move away from it regardless anyway. So there's no point in, like, putting anyone through the strain of being on your 200th episode where it's, okay, well, I guess we're fighting this bad guy now. We just finished fighting the other bad guy. But this one seems like maybe he was the same bad guy as six bad guys back. And... I don't I don't want to fall into that kind of cycle. No, that that makes sense, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say since, since John mentioned characters and there are 8 of them. Uh can you guys just give us a quick synopsis, just a quick like one sentence description about each one just so the people listening can maybe get enticed further into tuning in? Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll go through uh half of them, John, and then you can cover the other half. So 
First up, we have Zaga. Zaga is a cute little furball, little furry lizard girl with six arms. She's much like Cotton in the fact that she's obviously homeschooled. She knows nothing about the real world. And she has a little drone that is now become the mascot of the stream. They have a very cute relationship, and uh, they're adorable, and I love them. Then we have Ice Cream Sandwich, who is a man of mystery. He is trapped within a mask, and his goal is to figure out how to get it off. Um, then we have Bowser, who is a science experiment gone horribly right. He is a... Uh, uplifted bear he has the intelligence of a human and the strength and ferocity of a bear and then john if you want to cover the rest of them yeah and then you have tron who's pretty much just a psychopathic serial killer who is wanted in many galaxies you've got nadaro she is a sheeran it's one of those space bugs she's like a giant cockroach yeah 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 she's like a giant cockroach but she's also uh into studying uh alien life and hacking as well. Um, she's a technomancer. Sorry, and Tron is a... Um, a He's solarian. a solarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Adonis is a technomancer. And then you have Critters, who is a Isoki space pirate who travels and uh, is pretty good at cartography, which is very helpful for getting around as well. And then I play Chinook. That is an envoy, but not your ordinary envoy. He's not a famous superstar. He's actually infamous. Uh, he is a weapons arms dealer, so has a lot of connections to kind of like the black market and other syndicates and such. Did I leave anybody out? I think I got everybody. Or Bynes. Everyone. Oh, Bynes, yes. No, yeah. Bynes is an interesting character who he is of a race of people who are very seclusive or reclusive, but he is part of an organization that is... Um, hell-bent on getting all the ancient artifacts and dangerous um, items from the galaxy and kind of cataloging and taking them and hiding them away so that they cannot cause any other trouble, which has led to him being on the wrong side of the law most of the time. Yeah, and he's also a mechanic with a small arachnid stealth drone. Okay, so he's a guy who's like that belongs to the museum, and the police are like, no, it it doesn't. It belongs to, or like, there's some there's some agency that's pissed off about that. So, no, it's more like he goes to museums and steals items to hide them in an underground bunker where nobody can look at them. Oh, he's Belloc, then. He's the, be he's the best guy. <laughs> he's like yeah, jacking yeah. the shit. Yeah, yeah, he's Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going around the galaxy, taking people's stuff and hiding it from them. And he's doing it in the shadows as much as he can, but not enough. Interesting, interesting. Uh, does that work well with everybody else? Are they cool with him just like jacking everyone's shit? Because I feel like that's that's a lot of heat for for one of eight people. So he has been kind of quiet in the background, kind of viewing everything. The reason that he's with the group is they all got caught, and so he's after a certain artifact right now that he is not willing to share that information of what it is with the group as of yet. Ah, interesting, interesting. Tenuous alliances. Mm. Yes. Uh, well, the the group. So the stream began because uh, I did listen to the first, the first episode where you know we introduced everybody and and how the group formed, in in the game in game. Um, it was a. Uh, and, Luke. Yes. So I great. I just it's one of my least favorite ways to start a campaign. You did it well. 
but I don't. I, I, I was just like, oh, not this. But they all did great. But do you want to talk us how they, how did you begin this campaign? So I had talked to the players beforehand, and there is a um, race of people, and they, they own uh, a, a larger portion of a few solar systems called the Vesk. They are your classic uh, bad guy lizard aliens. And so I had to go through with all the players why they would be imprisoned by the Vesk, and I got some really good answers and some more generic answers, but they all started on a prison ship and had to tenuously ally themselves with each other to escape. It's not, you're, you're right, it's not always the best idea to start in a way that is going to be combat-oriented for sure, because obviously breaking out of prison, you're going to be fighting your way through. So there was part of me that worried that there wouldn't be any time for the audience or the players to get to know each other's characters. But I think for the most part, I was able to parse out the combats and the time for the players to kind of show off some of their skills, as well as um, give a little insight into what their characters are about. I, I agree. I, I think that is what saved it. It wasn't just all combat. There were those moments of interaction where they kind of did have to quickly learn little tidbits about each other. It was it was done well. Eight players is a lot, and for a, a GM to be able to, to do that and, and handle it well, uh, kudos to you. Good job. Thanks. You're welcome. Not that my opinion matters, but <laughs> I applaud you. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, do you have sort of, uh, when you started this, did you, did you kind of have a story that you wanted to tell, or particular like you had it thought out or was it a lot more freeform and you didn't want to plan too much lest your players uh call too many audibles and have too many and and, and bite on too many jangly keys as it were How would so you start out? at the start of the stream or a little bit before the start of the stream because i i we got together and i went through and so did john kind of helping people make their characters and going through that stuff we we did all that, and then after I saw what I was working with character-wise and class-wise and backstory-wise, I went through the process of figuring out the the larger bones of the first session, which our first session, I think, is like three and a half hours long compared to the one and a half to two hours that the rest of our sessions are. And I think that a lot of that is trying to fit in, because uh, I know that we had a... I introduced a couple of the players like towards the back half of the first episode. Um, and I ha I knew how I wanted it to start. And then I kind of bullet pointed and sectioned out the bones of the campaign as a whole to kind of what I'm hoping to get to for the end. But everything in between is kind of up to the players. Like I've told all the players this before, but they could, in the middle of a session, decide to F off and just go to the other side of the galaxy. And it is not going to mess me up in any way because the way that I am planning things, I bullet point everything to where if I think that a bullet point would be good to go somewhere, I can throw it in front of the players and see how they deal with it. Um, but I, I knew how it was going to start. And I will say this, they on that Vesk prison ship, I had about 
18 maps made for it, and they only used five of them. So they could have gone many other places, like, because I have no idea. I, there was no way of me knowing where they would go on that ship. But I knew I wanted it to be large, and I wanted them to have a lot of options. So I made sure to provide that, and I do that every session. So I spend the week kind of putting together a bunch of bullet points, setting up different maps for what they might do. And there's a good chance that I don't use even like even half of the maps that I make, I, I probably don't ever get to use. Okay, so you, you put in lots of prep and just take the hit on the efficiency. You, you just you know you want to have everything planned, so you plan for as much as you can think of. And if, you, if you're hitting 25%, that it is what it is. Is that kind of like how you approach it? Yeah, yeah. And in worst case scenario, nothing I've planned, like nothing that I think might happen happens. And then I'm doing quick fucking... Google searches and Patreon searches for different Patreons that I subscribe to to find a map that matches whatever they are, are getting themselves into. Or a forklift you want to drop last second for us to use. <laughs> yeah, or finding a, a PSD of a forklift because they want to drive a forklift across and ram it into a bunch of people. It happens, and I am happy to put in the work because I think that the the freedom that the players are able to have with me being able to quickly kind of throw something together as well as having those more planned out and more heavily integrated maps and story beats that I have put together, kind of a mismatch of both of those seem to make my players fairly happy. Oh, so you're, you're real dependent on the the uh the internet aspect of it the, you know you you are remote they can't see you you have multiple tabs you can go grab some assets throw them up and boom this is it was always here. I work with three monitors at all times, and I'm looking at getting a fourth. Is it following lore strictly, or is it homebrew? So it is in the greater bones of the Starfinder system, but everything that the players are interacting with, story-wise and like faction-wise, is all homebrew. I've thrown out the original like factions and planetary charts and everything of the Starfinder system. Uh, because in uh, for me specifically, it is far easier for me to remember something off the top of my head if I made it up rather than even if I read the uh, Dungeon Master's Guide or the Player's Handbook for a system over and over and over again. If I made something up and wrote it down, then I'm going to be able to pop that into my head immediately rather than having to look through a book. So I, I prefer to do all homebrew. I have run modules in the past for... Uh, like we did Strahd, and I've run other ones in the past, but homebrew is my is my go-to. Okay, cool. Very cool, uh, cool beans. I found the exact same experience to be true. I am running Tomb of Annihilation, and we're like in the Fate of the Night Serpent, and there's lots of these little rooms, and I was not totally prepared for them to go into the thing and to fight their way in. And so like they, they were, they're, they're doing things, and I am like one step behind, because even though I have read most of this stuff, I didn't make it, and so it's hard to have a, every little detail on command. Like, are there zombies in this half of the, of the thingamabob? And yeah, I've, that's probably been one of the harder things for me running a, a module, is keeping track of the things I have read. So, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's just the, the personal arrogance of I created it, so therefore it's good. I don't know. Or just the time it took to write it down to paper. Yeah, and like I, so I've always liked the idea of not being kind of set into a specific set of events that have to go on, and I always love the the ability to like, for instance, if the if I come up with a puzzle or something, and my players like are trying to figure it out, 
or trying to work their way through it, there's a good chance I have no idea how this puzzle works. And so I'm just waiting for them to do something cool or hilarious, and then it's going to work. Like, uh, playing off of my players is a lot of what I'm doing. And so if one of my players is like, oh, man, this this room is going to be full of enemies, like, they're going to be full of vests or monsters or something like that, and I'm like, just in the background with my mic, like, muted or pulled away from my face, like, furiously writing, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Juber doesn't like that. She doesn't, she doesn't like it when you deal from the bottom of the deck. Is that true, Jupiter? If I don't know you did it, that's fine. But if you tell me you did that, then I'm going to... Oh, yeah, I would I would never tell you. What I don't know won't hurt me. I, I, I'm i sorry, I misspoke. I plan everything meticulously. Nothing goes awry ever. Right, you're just saying, if it were to, you would consider that, but it hasn't, so you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an option that I have definitely not taken. You can't right. see, but I'm winking right now, Cotton. It's very road-less-traveled, uh, Robert Frostian DM style of, of, of horseshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, John, what is it like with, with Luke as a, a GM? And you get to be honest, we're in a safe space, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I actually enjoy it. Um, I think, you know, Meeting Luke uh, at the other D and D campaign, just kind of you know seeing his play style and how he DMs, and uh, you know we've formed a really great synergy, right? It's uh, I think of all the players, I, I for me personally in TTRPGs, I find the most fun in creating backstory. That's just really fun for me. I find it more fun creating that, developing what my character is and his personality and things that he's done in the past, creating that foundation, and then writing the rest of the story as we play the campaign, right? So Luke sees that, and I feel that information has helped, you know, helps him as well, bouncing off additional information or ideas or different things that may happen in the campaign. So, you know, being able to play with the DM that can, you know, take your information, kind of just bounce off of that. It's, it's, it's really refreshing uh, to see that, you know, I, I tell him time and time again, I'm, I'm pretty spoiled with him being my DM for this campaign, you know, cause I, I have played other campaigns where, you know, it's nowhere near, uh, uh, you know, at, to, the, to the level of how Luke plays. So it's definitely uh, an enjoyment. I'd have to say. What would you, <clears throat> sorry. No, go ahead. Cotton. As, um, I was going to say as a player without spoiling too much, what is something that's happened in the game that was one of the biggest surprises, uh, just narratively? And I mean, I know you have to like tell the line between being generic or, or spoilery and whatnot, but is, is there anything that stands out that you're like, wow, that was, you know, this is why I came to play. This is why this is great. Like, or just, you know, a, a key moment you would like to maybe talk about. I guess specifically with my character, it had to be a moment. And, and this has to do with, you know, kind of diving into my backstory was in my backstory, you know, I, my character was in a war and had a war buddy, right? Kind of an older father figure that he looked up to that was his mentor, right? And Luke kind of just started plugging questions like, okay, what's this guy's name? Like, where is he at? What does he do? You know, so, you know, in my operations as, you know, an arms dealer in the story, right? This didn't really play out in the current campaign, but in, in the past, you know, doing my dealings and such, he was kind of my right hand after the war and helping me with my business. So, it was just crazy for me to kind of jump into the scene where all of a sudden, you know, we are infiltrating this tower because there is, um, you know, a new, I guess, crime leader 
in in town that just started coming up at the same time while I was imprisoned on the ship. And we when we go up uh, up top to go and take him out, kind of we were looking to, to take him out and assassinate him. Come to find out, it was this character, and he's asking me, "What do I want to drink?" So that kind of like blew me away and shocked me. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's so crazy. I was not expecting it at all. It was just a real twist of the story, you know. So now. You know what we were intent the whole party was intending to go and just you know shoot this whole place up kind of twisted the entire plot so having these plots is i guess and, and and they're not this isn't just the first one we've had several different plot twists that's happened um i think that's what really just makes it so so enjoyable to play you know with all, with all the uh the uh the changes in the story very cool very cool luke do you have one as a gm or like one of your players one little one little rogue or had a cool moment that uh, that kind of like maybe caught you. So, I I think my favorite part of the game so far has been the and it's it takes place over multiple different kind of smaller RP moments where my players are trying to do the coolest shit ever. Like uh, Zaga is this tiny little creature who is carries a desert eagle that she has to hold with like four of her hands because it's like almost the size of her. And she's trying to like do a cool spin and put it away and then drops it and it fires off uh, because she fails like this super easy sleight of hand check or uh, another player, Tron, shooting himself in the foot trying to look cool. I, I like it when my players do cool things. And for, uh, for the most part, I'm rule of cool. But when it's, when it's this moment of tension and they're wanting to do this like insane stunt or or super cool thing i'm all for it but i i sometimes want to want them to do a check especially if it's not something that they normally would be doing and seeing them not necessarily fail but make the best of the bad role or the bad situation is always always fun for me to 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 watch and experience i do love that that's that's one of the things i love whenever i i do hear an actual play i don't i'll admit i don't listen to a lot but those little moments i wish i could get more of them in my own game it's what I love to to play as a player. I like to hear the cast. That that's, you know, shway. Your uh, your dad came in and said, uh, not everyone's players are. And I was like, yeah, says the player. But uh, again, lovingly. Uh, his his dad doesn't play in. The... Oh, yeah, I thought he played in the game. I'm not bad. Whoops. I I I DM games at my house with like physical games for my family that my dad has that's taken right. part in. Shway. Well, that's the old edit button. The old. No, not gonna have it. Nope, not gonna have it. Keep it in. Keep it in. Well, that's how I feel. I love my players, but yeah, they can be they can be a bit goofy. They they make decisions. Uh, right now, they're taking an eight hour rest inside the fane of the Night Serpent in the storeroom after they just murdered everybody. So, as you do. That yeah. As you do. You know, is there a yeah. door? No, just open hallway. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> you know. Well. I mean, and uh, you know, it, it's being a GM and saying if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. You can throw a consequence at them, but have you ever punished a player for doing something that was just totally stupid to do in a game? Like they need to, they need to learn. I agree, not sorry. you, uh, yeah, I, not yeah, interviewing we were, I you. I know. I was a what? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't like using the word punish. I don't want to punish my players for doing something however i have told them like the the classic they'll ask a question i'm like you can certainly try Mm -hmm. but there's always they all are aware of this there's always the fact that actions have consequences 
So you rob a convenience store without disabling any cameras and you don't go back for the tapes. Guess what? Now the cops are looking for you. You shoot up a strip club and allow somebody to make a call to 911 and uh, dial a few other numbers while they're at it. That comes back on you for not not having the forethought to to be like, oh, shit, no, let's not have them call the authorities where we just burned down a building and killed 12 people. So they're they aware that actions have consequences, and sometimes it seems like they really are not aware that actions have consequences. But I've told them, and I know I've told them, so I'm going to keep going the way things are. It sounds like you give them a big, like, red flag. Like, hey, you this this is a decision. Are you sure you want to do that? Actions have consequences. Like, you're just, like, painting it, painting a picture for them. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, a really quick picture. It's usually like, so you allow them to make the call? Okay. Yeah, yeah, real subtle. <laughs> Always. <laughs> have they done, have any of your players done anything that's just really surprised you? Like, uh, whether good or bad, did they do anything like, wow, that was a really good role play moment, or wow, that was a creative problem solving? Um, yes. D- uh, so, there have been a few instances where my players go a different route that I'm like, when it happens, I go, okay, well, I can scratch off this, but the route that they end up taking without my, like, without me messing with anything, like they, it it seems to me like maybe they are seeing farther than what I have seen because they managed to bring it back. And, uh, when they were infiltrating that tower, um, Zaga goes off on her own to try to get a secure connection into the facility so she can monitor cameras and the like and manages to create uh like create a clear space for the other players to move through the building by just massively messing up the security protocols in the building and drawing all the guards directly to her and she against all odds manages to escape and like I I thought she was going to die but she was ready to, like, she was in a pool pumping room or whatever, and, like, has a plan where she floods the room to get out of one of the, like, ceiling grates for ventilation. And it, it ends up with her, like, sopping wet in the alleyway. Like, she, like, all her fur, like a wet cat, just sadly walking through the alleyway and blending in with the public as not to get caught and giving everyone else the freedom to get out or get where they're going. And, uh, like immediately when she went in there by herself, I'm like, never split the party. But it it worked out far better than I foresaw it, and it, it kind of makes, as a game master, it made me think, maybe they do have plans sometimes that I am not accounting for. They know things. Uh, John, where do you see the group going as a player character? Where do you see the other player characters and all of you going where do you want the story to go it doesn't mean it's going to go there because we all know the gm doesn't always you know things happen but where do you want to see this story go i don't know i'm really interested to see there have been some encounters in rp where some of the characters have kind of like brought forth things that are going on within their own personal selves a little bit of their backstory just kind of starting to bleed out a little bit. So 
of course, obviously, I don't know everybody's story, right? Uh, just the bits and pieces that they've shared. But, you know, what has been revealed so far has been really, really interesting. So I would like to see the story kind of go in the direction where we are kind of doing these contracts, you know, that kind of started off with uh, with the um, the contact that we have for my backstory, which kind of brought that out a bit. But then now, as the contracts go on and lead us into these other areas, other parts of the galaxy, seeing if we can unravel everybody else's story at the same time. So, I, of course, in a perfect world, it would be beautiful to you know have, a, have an ending story, right? When we do get to the end, we get to unravel everybody. But, of course, it just all depends on how well the characters themselves kind of you know relay that information. So I, I really hope that everybody collectively kind of gets the opportunity or tries to you know reveal and uh, accomplish all of their backstory determination you know at the same time so i think that's what's mm-hmm. probably the best for me is just you know, getting to see everybody's uh, uh stories unveiled did you ask uh luke did you ask all your players to create character goals player goals so you had an idea on where to get them how you know where they wanted their characters to end up so you could help get them there through the story or are you guys developing that and just discovering that as you go so I have a few players, about half my players, who are the type that when we were planning the stream and making characters, I told everyone, at least write like a one paragraph background, just like some of some of the background information on your character, where they came from, stuff like that. And so, of course, two days before we start streaming, I'm contacting all the players who did not write their backstories yet and went through, uh, I found this really good questionnaire for uh, creating original characters and stuff like that. And we went through that and I figured out uh, with some players personally, their their goals, their where, where they started, where they're wanting to go, a lot of the background information, people that they used to know that they might be interested in running into again. And then I had players like John and Jenna and Bynes who within three days I had already had two to six paragraphs depending on the player of their backstory. So... um I have the information for kind of where their characters are, where they came from, where they're trying to go. And I'm I'm trying to weave it into the story without overloading the players with just kind of uh, going through what they told me before the game started. I want, I want it to come out more organically. So I'm trying to work that through. Cotton, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I, I heard you mention Deadlands as a possible follow-up mm-hmm. system to me both and i know a little bit about deadly I, I know enough to get me in trouble on uh on starfinder and deadlands but both would have a lot of empty space the, there's not you know it, it's a largely lawless kind of world generally right right okay is that a big part of the story like would it be hard to transition to say Shadowrun or a cyberpunk where that's not a thing there there is law enforcement it is uh you know quite potent and able to the, the long arm of the law of the law is long enough to get you. Uh, you know, we had a whole episode last time about environment, just kind of seeing how that played into your design. So, with like like you said, there's a lot of open space. There's a lot of places for the characters to go, and probably go unnoticed. There are significant law enforcement presences in some parts of the galaxy. Like where they are now, there there is a like galactic police force that operates, and the players are aware uh, because they've hacked into police systems that they are being looked for, 
and um, they're having to f- fend off the lock currently. Um, but when you have stuff like the barren openness of space or in Deadlands, which will be coming up, uh, the the barren like fields and plains that, that they'll possibly be riding through between the very far-flung towns and villages and the like, you have to factor in that the players are now having to deal with bounty hunters who are willing to go out into those open spaces and they're having to contend with the Vesk who are chasing them. There's a lot of people chasing these players and they are trying their best to stay away from them. And I I find in, in any TPG RPG that you're playing, you're in a situation where traveling 500 miles takes five minutes, but fighting a 10 minute combat takes three hours. So I'm, I try to fill the time for traveling with uh, what I call close quarters, which is when they're trapped in the tin can that is their ship, I pick one player who has to instigate kind of a uh, role play with uh, a couple other players. It doesn't have to be significant, but something that will kind of let the story keep going without me being like, okay, you left this planet, now you're on this planet. Like, just to give the, a view of what goes on in between. And then, of course, they get bonuses for that. Like, if they if the RP session is, like, really good between the two or three players, then they might get a plus one to their attacks, or uh, when they're working together, they might get a bonus or something like that. So you guys are streaming. When can people tune in on Twitch? I mean, it's been more predominantly Sundays, uh, 8 Eastern to 10, just two hours. Um, but we... at times may ping pong to a saturday we're trying to keep a consistent schedule because we know it does uh contribute to you know keeping locked in viewers right just keeping that maintain that schedule of course you know eight players to manage schedules it does get a little bit cumbersome so we are trying to see you know what will be the ideal uh scheduling for us maybe looking at a tuesday but for now uh sundays if not saturdays until for the yeah course. and like uh I want to preface, like, we are all adults with jobs. Some of us have kids, so scheduling can be really hard sometimes, but we're trying to get settled down to a specific day or set of days that we'll be we'll be able to stream every week. It might end up being an hour later, or it might be slightly shorter streams, but the, the stream will keep going, and we are figuring out our scheduling conflicts and mm-hmm. moving forward as much as we can. Growing pains. It's, yes. It's bound to happen. Uh, you guys are 15 episodes in now? I think yeah, last night was our 14th episode. So next 14. next week will be episode 15, and then after that will be our Deadlands one-shot. Oh, wow. Okay. And we can either tune in on Twitch, or we can also find you on YouTube, and I will include links to all of this. Everyone that's listening, if you want to find Cayman's Rejects to, to tune in or to watch on YouTube so you can catch up to the story. They they do have several episodes on YouTube right now. They're slowly getting the rest on, but they'll be there because they're lucky enough to have a player that can do editing. Yes, I think Amazing. we have up to episode 8 on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm slowly working through, catching up. Slowly working through. I, if anybody, like, people trust me. John, you don't know me, but let me tell you. I'm on two podcasts. I hate listening to podcasts listening to to streams there like it my mind just wanders and i just walk away but i did when i when i tune into you guys i actually stay engaged and listen and That's awesome. so yeah. that, that that is a 
for me, that's a huge compliment because I, I, I hate, I hate it. I just, I can't do it. I can't even listen to an audiobook. Nothing. Yeah. So when I am able to tune into your stream and actually stay engaged and listen, that's the mark of good players doing good RP and a mark of a good GM that's telling a good story. So I do, I do highly recommend uh, people to, to start listening. You guys have a lot of followers already. You guys are slow growing. What are you up to now? Uh, 124, 125. Yep. Yep. It just keeps, keeps on going up. Yeah. Awesome. When you, when you get to a thousand, we'll have you back on and we'll talk about all the trials and tribulations of being a breakout podcast. Okay. All right. So we'll see you in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I look forward to you in like in the, in the more pompous I've arrived mode where you have like the cigar, wow. the smoking jacket. Like, yeah, we're kind of a big deal. It's just what we do. Well, I was I was invited to Cotton's house for uh, Labor Day. Uh, what, when am I? When are we invited to your house, Cotton? Uh, whenever. Oh, yeah, just go whenever. Labor Day. Okay. Go Labor Day. Drive yeah, I got canceled on by the last person. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. you canceled on Cotton. She couldn't. So make that's it. everything. Uh, <laughs> that's all we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, I highly recommend everybody tune into Cayman's Rejects. We will include those links. Any any parting words, guys? Uh, yes. Um, if because of our tenuous schedule right now, I urge people to go to our Twitter. It's also in our about page on Twitch. Our Twitter feed is. Uh, that's where all of our updates are. Uh, me and John try our best to to get in there every day and make sure people are aware of what's going on. It is at Caymans underscore rejects and. If you're wanting to know anything about the stream, that's where that's where you should go. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's been great talking to you guys. Uh, like I said, I've I've been catching up on the uh, episodes I've missed. I'm tuning in when I'm able to on the weekends, and I'm enjoying it. And I think I think a lot of people will will enjoy it. I think it's a it's a good group, and as they say, it's got legs. It's got legs. Legs so, for days. Get in on the ground floor, people, and hop on and, and say, you you listened from the beginning. Because not many people can say that with Critical Role. Yeah. I, I wish I had a, a great, like, New Jersey and bit of patter. It's got legs, you know, Jimmy? It's got legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both, John and Luke, for coming on and spending time with us. And we know we won't ever get you back once you guys explode. Uh, no. So it was nice to spend time with you now. <laughs> we really appreciate you guys having us. It's real, real, real special for us. So we appreciate I'm pretty it. sure I'm staying at Jupiter's house two years from now at Gen Con, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I right, mean, so... you know, unless you're at a suite at the uh, Marriott. I mean, I don't you, know. I'll get you a suite too, Jupiter. Oh, thank you. Hi, I'm so grateful. Uh, Please keep that and keep sorry, it. Uh, Cotton, <laughs> Cotton, uh, sorry, Cotton, I forgot about you. You can sleep at the foot of my bed. <laughs> right. Cool. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night, John. Good night, everyone.